0: You're listening to Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias. The world's locked down, and travelling isn't really an option, so I thought, why not do the next best thing and talk about it? From living all over the world to working as a tour guide, I've seen some amazing places and met some great people. Each week, I'll speak to globetrotters and industry professionals about their travel bubble choices, to provide you with post-lockdown inspiration and top travel tips. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias. A big welcome to all those listening for the first time and a big welcome back to the old faithfuls, the people who listen every week all over the world. Thank you for joining us on Travel Bubble. Big news this week is that by the time this episode goes out, I should be somewhere in Norway leading a trip um, in... We're going to Bergen, going to Tromsa, going to the Arctic Circle. Hopefully going to see the Northern Lights. So when this goes out, I should be somewhere in Norway, COVID permitting. So that's the big news this week. I finally get to dust off the uh, tour leading boots. Sooner than I expected after last year's season for a special winter tour. So I'll tell you a bit more about that when I get back. But that's exciting. But... I will get into the episode, but before I do, I'll remind you that Travel Bubble is free. If you wanted to support the podcast, there is a few ways you can do it. You can go, on, go back and listen to old episodes. I hope you enjoyed last week's with Ellen Waite. That was a really good one, and I got some good feedback about that. But you can go back and choose an episode title, look at a picture. Just pick your lucky number or something. Go back and listen to the episode. It doesn't go out of date and you'll get you're guaranteed to get a bit of travel inspiration from any episode from all my wonderful guests. Uh other way you can support the podcast uh probably the biggest compliment you can give us is by recommending us to a friend or colleague or neighbor. If you like the podcast tell people about it and recommend it especially if they love travel they should hopefully enjoy travel bubble. And then you can obviously do the obvious things like give us a five star rating on Spotify, on Apple, and then like us on Facebook and comment and all do all those sorts of things. That would be very good. But I'll be back in the end for some Travel Bubble Film Club. But for now, I will introduce my guest. And this week, it's James Hammond. And James Hammond is from England. He's from Norwich, originally. But we, I can see some parallels with myself in some ways. For the past seven years, he's been traveling the world like all over and like living and working all over so he doesn't just like go there on holiday he really immerses himself in in cultures and like it's just a really good chat like i really enjoy this one and he's a host of his own travel podcast called winging it hence the name of this podcast this episode uh and it's just a great chat like i could i could definitely have a beer with james and hopefully you'll you'll feel the same he, um, he, he's done. It's clear from this episode he did loads of research and he provides lots of practical tips. So that it's re, this is really good for travel inspiration and especially if from his choices you're going to these places, there's certain things that you want to take note of because especially what James is what what James is saying, it's a really good episode. So without further ado, this is episode thirty nine of Travel Bubble, winging it with James Hammond. Hello, James. Welcome to Travel Bubble. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How how about yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. For our listeners, where in the world are you right now?
1: I'm in Vancouver, in Canada, on the West Coast.
0: Okay. Um, I'm in Cornwall. uh, Lovely. Nice and cool. Um, Yeah, yeah. So, James, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, um...
1: Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, good question. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, get, well, a bit broad. Why would you be? Why are you a good guest on a travel show? Such a travel bubble?
1: Yeah, I think I sort of caught the travel thing when I was probably about 20, uh, 21. Um, but I was halfway through my degree. So I was like, right, well, I'm going to have to wait. So um, I went to Australia to watch the cricket. And then, yeah, let's not talk about that today. But then, we, then I came back. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I, I, I don't want to do my degree anymore. I want to go and work, work in Australia. Yeah. Like, but the sensible me was like, right, now you, you got to finish your degree. We had two years left. So I was like, right, well, got a job and you know, just start saving from then, really, and planning my trip in 2013. And that was like going to be a, a two year trip. And that was going to encompass six months of traveling, a year working travel in Australia, and then South America afterwards and probably be home for Christmas in 2014. So I think um, I sort of planned it, but it's quite interesting looking back. I I really only had interest to go to Commonwealth countries, if I'm honest. Yeah. I was thinking, right, I'll go and travel to a bit of States, not Commonwealth, but, you know, similar-ish, uh, New Zealand, Australia, and then South, South America, it's because the Football World Cup was there the year after, so my friends planned to go anyway, so... Um, that was a bit bit left field for me. And then my friend from uni was like, right, I want to come with you. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, come along. But he goes, oh, but I want to go to Asia. I'm like, uh, where's that? <laughs> he's like, oh, <laughs> is that, is that big continent over there. He's like, oh, yeah, which part do you want to go to? And he's like, oh, I want to go to like Thailand and Cambodian, Laos, etc." I was like, oh, oh okay. So he, he jumped on board and, yeah, we kind of had that six-month trip in 2013 from January to June. And then, yeah, I've kind of been traveling and working ever since, really.
0: Okay. So um did you did you end up finishing your degree?
1: Mm. Not very badly. Oh badly. I got I got a two two. So <laughs> uh they say you should get a two one, but I just I just lost interest. It really was a switch. Um I, it's quite hard to explain, like before there's a music degree, so I was like all trying to go to the music industry, trying to be like a musician, full on, concentrate on that, like practicing every day, etc. And then had a bit of a tough year in 2010, a few things happened, a few relationships broke up, I got mugged um, in London where I, was, where I was studying, all this stuff kind of culminated to me just going away on the whip to Australia to, with my friends, never even entertained going away um, that far or even out of Europe really and then as soon as I come back, and I loved Australia as soon as I first landed, my mind has switched and yeah, I sort of limped through the second year, well the penultimate year that, which is when I went to Australia it was pretty bad and sort of recovered a little bit in the last year, but it's not enough to get to one.
0: So I've been on your website and I've, I've seen your, like your ethos and your mentality and we seem pretty similar to be honest, James, like mm. just like perpetually on the road. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know. Re, you'll just see, wait, uh, your podcast is called winging it. You'll just be on the fly yeah. basically. Is, <laughs> yeah. so, that, so that's yeah. what you've been doing for like seven years now or so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of just worked in the Commonwealth countries, really, unlike yourself. But, um, yeah, I've done, like, the two Australian-New Zealands, so one year each, and then I've been here three years in Canada now. Um, so that's kind of like, yeah, just dotting around, trying to find jobs and save and travel again, really.
0: Okay. Um, I get this a lot, but I'm, I've, been back, I've been back in the UK for a year now. It doesn't feel like it, but I have been back mm. for a year. But prior to that, I always had always people asking when you're going to come back or when you, have you, you're not done with that yet? Do you, do you get that?
1: All the bloody time. <laughs> Especially something like my dad, he's like, he, he stopped doing that travelling arc yet. I'm like, no, mate, I've got, there's like 100, 90 countries, whatever it is, the ballpark yeah. figure 200. I was like, man, there's plenty more to go and see and do. So I can't see that really stopping anytime soon.
0: And is that the plan? Do, do you think you, you're going to go for it or just just see what happens?
1: Um, I don't, I don't think I'll get to that level. Um, oh, I don't know. It, it, it's actually probably deep down a secret aim yeah. before I die, I guess, um, to get to that, that. I don't know what the, the number is. These days, it changes every week. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's. I've read a few books on people doing that, and there's, there's pros and cons to it, right? The pro is, yeah, you get to every, go to every country, but the con is, do you actually really see the country if you dip in for, like, a weekend?
0: Yeah, like i flip flop i have so many guests on this podcast and like some will go oh slow travel is the best and then some people have been to every country and it's just like uh like (laughs) (laughs) both
1: what do you you think what do you think is the are you going to
0: try and do that i'm not actively trying um but if it happens it happens i do i don't really like returning to countries Mm. i'd rather go to somewhere new so that's definitely on my in my mind of going to new places but I to me at the end of the day if I had infinite wealth and infinite time then I would definitely go to every country but it's it's certainly like it's hard unless you're loaded or like I, I mean, think that's
1: what it boils down to isn't it if you had money like if if I sat here and said that I was you know I had a million pounds in the bank oh well, yeah I've got all the time in the world to go and do it like and I'd still probably it in a bit of a shoestring in terms of not being not being lavish right you you could really make that last and get to most countries, in my eyes. Um, well, that's but- why I,
0: I so there's some people who have been to every country and like, well, oh, I'm the youngest person to be every, to be every country. I've I've mm. done this, I've done that. And it's like, yeah, because your dad's loaded, or your mum's loaded. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah, it's hard to say that, or like, or maybe I've worked hard for it. I don't know, but like, uh, chances are you've you've been dealt a nice hand, and it's a yeah. luxury. And yeah. and people forget that travel is a luxury. Whereas I don't want to speak for you, James, but like, we one thing that really pisses me off is when people say, "Oh, you're so lucky." And just go, no, I just go and work in the country. Luck. Like, yeah. And, and I spend my time, I prioritize travel. There's no luck about it, is there?
1: No, I don't like the word luck. Um, it implies that you've, yeah, either not worked hard for it or you've not meant to do that. But uh, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from a working class background. Like, you know, um, I grew up in Norwich, but um, on a council state. Like, mum was single parent, you know, the classic. You probably hear that quite a bit from a lot of stories that you hear online about certain things but that's just the truth of it so i've got no backing behind me whatsoever in terms of money and so what i've traveled to um and what i've got to so far is just because of me like yes no one else or nothing else really i've just uh, had a plan
0: well i I, i've seen this on your site again but um i know your views on like the social norms uh can you tell us (laughs) a bit about that or why you what that means to you
1: (laughs) i don't want to alienate any of your listeners but um
0: Ah, oh, no, alienate,
1: alienate
0: away, <laughs> <laughs> alienate. more the listeners. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I have a bit of a chuckle to myself when, um, with me, and my girlfriend here, when so what well, I'm thirty-two, uh, my girlfriend's like two years older, thirty-four. So we're in that period of time now where a lot of people that we know that are friends or not do have that social normality. So that for me, the social norm is in the, in the Western world, as to say, um, especially someone like England or or Canada, is. You probably go to university, at eighteen to twenty-two. Let's call that ballpark figure, and a lot of people pretty much try and go down the career path. So that means you get a job. Now the first thing they do is save for a house, and that that really is really hard these days. And you've got to really save year on year end. So that you probably do three or four years of saving. You get your first house, um, and you're probably in a relationship at this point, so you probably buy it together, and then you get a dog because you want to see if you can both have a dog (laughs) and then when that goes successful you you think okay what's next you probably have one trip that's like two weeks that you've probably been saving up and there's a lifetime trip the lifetime whatever they call it i don't like that term either and then they then then sort of get engaged 25 26 and it takes take a few years to save up for that and then spend 20 grand on a, hol- on a wedding <laughs> for one day. And then they buy a second house and then they upgrade to second house. Cause it has more rooms. And then the kids start coming around 30. This is the social, I see it all the time. And then 30 by 30, I need to have a kid in a career. Everyone has that. And then yeah, by, by 33, 34, people start having second kids. And then, and then they look back going, ah, oh, I haven't really done much.
0: And then they get divorced <laughs> about 40 or yeah, something Yeah, like get
1: divorced. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a tough on divorce. Like, because, we're in this period now where people are getting married. And my friends keep saying, Oh, when you, you know, Emma, get married. I'm like, Mate, we're not getting married. It's my dad's been divorced twice. Mum's been divorced once. And I'm like, It doesn't work. Half people get divorced. So I'm saying here, and my friends that have 15, 16 friends in that group, half of you getting divorced. You don't want to hear that because you think, yeah, No, no, not me, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not into that sort of stuff.
0: No, that's good. Uh, but it is a slippery slope. Um, I was speaking to someone yesterday and it, it's a slippery slope. So after university, I was meant to like go on, um, go like me gap year, you know, teaching mm. abroad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then my girlfriend got a job and it was like a graduate job and it was all right. So it was mm. like, well, okay, well, we can't really leave that graduate job and go and give up and go on teaching. So it was like, okay, I'll get a graduate job. So I got a graduate job. Mm. And then you start getting better and better and you're climbing the ladder and then two Canada, years yeah. in or whatever, you're like, oh, it's hard to leave this now. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you, it's just, oh, uh, if you don't get out now, you'll never get out. Um, so it's a rat, luckily, it's a rat race. yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's a slippery slope. And luckily I, well, I said, I'll say luckily, because each to their own, each to their own, but, of course, yeah. um, I'm happy with the way it's gone. And I'm, I'm mm. sure you're the same. Like you, mm. I, like, I look at people, I'm like, I, I'm on the fence. I look at people. who have got a nice, couple of kids, a nice house, a nice car, loads of money. And I go, oh, that's all right, isn't it? But, yeah. but similarly, they, they say the same to me. Oh, you're all right. Like, mm. like, yeah. It's kind of,
1: I've had a few people. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a few people on podcasts. podcast who, um, one person, I can't remember who it was. I should really remember. It, but I remember clearly what he said is that what happens is that in in your scenario, you, you get your job. Graduate job, and you're probably working the ladder you're going up. He said, in uh, it was um, something released said actually, actually is um, Lee from the, the travel there podcast. He can okay. podcast um this week, and um, he does a tra- podcast where people talk about one place that they're from or they've been to, like in depth. Okay. Um, anyway, he said that the problem is people get this money, extra money, you get, you get your salary increase. He says people then increase their wants. So, what happens is you, you like the classic norm, you get your house. Now, for me, I'm thinking, well, if I've got a better paid job here and I've got more money, surely I would just stay in the same house and save more money. But people get a better house and they get a better car and they get, and it keeps going up and up and up and you can never get out of it because yeah. you're too far in. Yeah. Like you've got a 30, 25, 30-year 30 mortgage. It's now increased to a new level because you've probably got another house. You're getting new cars, new things. It's the things that I just don't – I'm just not into. Just yeah, not absolutely.
0: Into and. I- a lot of people said to me, like, oh yeah, when are you going to do that? When are you going to get the house, whatever, settle down? But there's one, there's only one adult who tells me, like, he encourages me, "Go, no, you're doing the right thing. Keep going, just keep, mm. <laughs> keep, keep winging <laughs> it basically. Like, um, mm. And he's the, he's the only person that, and that's, he, I, and I, he goes, no, seriously, I'm I'm in the rat race, whatever, carry on doing what you're doing. Oh, and good lad. His yeah. advice was always never plan more than six months ahead. Um, okay. And yeah. Definitely something that I bear, like I used to bear in mind. So yeah. It
1: it's, a, it's quite hardcore, isn't it? Because you, if you, um, if you think about it, these people that, so that your your friend, for example, who's I don't know if he's got kids or at least got a mortgage, right? They're they're they are locked in. Like especially kids, like people need to be really think really need to think carefully about this because it's not something like a house where you could potentially just chuck it away and sell it. Yeah. Kids are there for for life, obviously. So when you have a kid you are especially the early years because they obviously need you, you you're locked in like you could, you can still travel with them but it's not going to be the same again and we've yeah. noticed that with friends where i don't know if you have found this but come all not disillusioned but it's, it's hard to strike up conversation because you're in so such different paths they're talking about not sleeping and changing baby nappies and they kicked off at the park one day and that sort of conversation you've got no relevance to it because in my world i'm just thinking ah oh, yeah, Should we go to Nepal next week or should we go to Japan? Or yeah, yeah. it's a completely different Aliens. mindset, and that's a struggle when I go home, I think. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, speaking of home and back at like Norwich, what were your like early childhood holidays and travel uh, travel like when you were young?
1: Didn't really have any. Um, I wasn't really travel orientated until my 20s. So, um, what I do remember is because I said before, quite a start, very working class background, we, I think, maybe my teenage years, they us say from like 10 to 16, maybe a couple of summers. I went in like a camper van, um, well, not camper van, like a caravan, should I say. Um, we drive to um, Lincolnshire, which is yeah. not, it's not a very nice county, if I'm honest, um, <laughs> on, the, on the East Coast, um, and go and stay there for a week, which is, uh, they're actually quite good times. Like I, I, I I enjoyed that. I actually like, I've got a weird nostalgia just staying in the caravan. I like the whole... I don't know what it is, just saying that those little tiny rooms and the smell of a caravan, it's probably from childhood, right? But yeah, I, I do remember going with my dad to those sort of trips, but no trips abroad, like, wasn't even on the cards.
0: Okay. So, like you said, your first big trip was the, the Australia trip to see the cricket.
1: That was the first big trip. I went on school trips before that. So, my school managed to, uh, they sort of helped out me, actually, I, I don't really know what the, the rule is, but they, they'd they help out with the cost of the trip. So was I was able to go to Belgium and Germany on the classic history trips in, uh, yeah. when I was 15, 16. Um, so we, I, don't, I don't really class that as, I'd have seen us go away with my friends and have a laugh. I didn't appreciate <laughs> yeah. a different country or yeah.
0: whatever.
1: But the first actual trip on my own was like, no, we need to go there. I actually took my mum to Italy in 2006. Yeah. Is that World Cup year? Yeah, World Cup year. So I think the World Cup was on. Um, yeah. And uh, we went to uh, Turin and Milan. And that's only because I've managed to work and to save some money. Yeah. And the flights the, the are really cheap, aren't they, from UK? So, and yeah, did, your mom, there. did your mum love her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a secret traveller now. Since uh, Maybe those days were tough um, growing up. But since um, we've been, my sister has been able to move out. Yeah, she's been to
0: Canada and Yeah, all sorts of places in Europe. Class. Okay. Mm. Well, I know you've been around, James. Uh, Last count, is it 50 countries you've been to? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So I'm keen to um, jump into your travel bubble destinations. So you're Uh familiar with the uh, format? Yeah. Three countries for the rest of your life, and they have to be countries you've been to. You've got the UK included already, being from Norwich. So that being said, James, what would be your travel bubble destination number one?
1: That would be Nepal,
0: right? Why Nepal?
1: I think we had probably the best time there in terms of um, it's majestic. Uh, I know the cliche is probably our uh, trekking, but you should go trekking because when you get into the mountains, the silence, the views. Uh, we also done some obviously hiking and trekking. The hard work that you put in to get like to some like whether base camp or Poon Hill, whatever you do. It just made it worth it. And the people are just... So they're probably one of the nicest people I've ever met. I think them and Cook Islands are probably, in terms of people, definitely up there with just some of the nicest people that we've met. And uh, I just love the food, the culture. Kathmandu is a crazy city. It's like a small deli. So um, it's going to be a nice little culture shop when you arrive if you've not been to anywhere like that before. And I just love everything about it. I can't give you a bad reason to go. Um, maybe one bad reason, the roads are pretty shit, um, but you you, 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 can, uh, you can bypass that if, uh, if you just accept it's going to take 10 hours to get 200 kilometers, not, not three. Um,
0: Have you seen that yeah. 14 peaks that just come out?
1: I have, man. Yeah. Like you, you obviously can see my background here. It's the Annapurna on my zoom. Yeah. Um, cause we done a hike on the Annapurna circuit. Yeah. He climbed up that. And, uh, that is like double the height where I'm standing to take that photo. That's a pretty, that's a mental Mad. thought.
0: So I've never been, but I've seen the scenery in that 14 Peaks and seen other documentaries. And it does, like you say, the word majestic and just breathtaking is a bit of a cliche, but it does a lot of breathtaking. No,
1: yeah, absolutely breathtaking. Um, it's one of those places hard to describe. Um, I haven't really been anywhere. Really, like Canada is, is slightly like that. Um, if you go to Alberta and Banff, if you go to the the Rockies, yeah. you could probably get that same sort of feeling. Um, but this is a different level, um, I think, um,
0: so yeah. logistically, did you have any plan when you rocked up? Did you have anything in mind? Um, also, I'm, I'm I'm keen to know about the trekking. Do you, do you go to like a literally? Do you go to like a? Do you, do you book it beforehand, or do you go to an office? And
1: yeah, we uh, the plan really was just by time. We we're there for four weeks. Um, me and Emma, and we're meeting a friend of ours, my friend Scott, who's he traveled to loads of countries as well. He's he's a bit of a trekker actually. And um we plan just to meet up in and his friend um Ala- Allison in Kathmandu. Um and it's like loosely we'll be in Kathmandu for a week and see the surrounding areas, the classic um, sites in Kathmandu. And then to go to trekking, you need to go to Pakara. So you can either get a bus, which is gonna take a long time, or get a flight. Um I would actually get the flight. Um I can't put up the roads anymore. And <laughs> uh, the flight would take like an hour, <laughs> but the bus would take 10 so or 12. So, um, yeah, you, if you want to go hiking, your base camp, if you like, in terms of a city is Pekara, that's where all the trekkers go. And then when you arrive in Pekara, um we just rocked up to our hostel that we booked, which is a great hostel. And then the local there who ran it, he had a few locals who were, who were guides and just, um, we said, oh, can we do a hike? He's like, yeah, I'll sort it out for you. Cool. And within days he sort of
0: and then like, what about gear and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I I probably should be better at this, but I just had proper Solomon hiking trainers and um, I rented some, rent some poles. I think hiking poles are quite crucial for me. I'm not great at hiking. So um, other than that, it's just the uh, warm clothes and sunglasses are key. Um, and
0: did you just <laughs> say like, I want to go, I want to go and do the Annapurna circuit? Yes. Uh,
1: yes. Yeah. So, so the Annapurna circuit is 21 days, the full circuit. Um, we were like, I think Scott maybe was had intentions of doing the 21 days. And me, Emma, and Alice, I'm like, fuck that. Like, I, I'm not brilliant at it anyway. Like, I'll do a section of it. Um, and plus, we don't want to spend three weeks of a four just doing one thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he agreed that we'll do the Poon Hill trek, which is five days. And Poon Hill was like almost the first portion of that whole 21 days. Okay. And you hike all the way up to the point of my background here. And it takes about five. The fifth morning, you're up there.
0: Class. And did they sort all your accommodation out and stuff like that? And oh, all yeah. just done for you.
1: Yeah. Food, accommodation. Uh, we had two guides. Uh, one of the one of the guys was the guy's friend who was thinking about doing it, and he was quite funny. Um, he was actually, uh, I'd say, he was more middle class Nepali. Not a lot of lot of guys do it because they just need the money um, and they know the local area. But this guy was like. I think he studied English at university. He was a bit of a writer. Okay. Um, um, but he was long and he was actually quite cool to, to talk with in terms of a different perspective on the, on the area. But um, yeah, so two guides. And then the best thing about it is on when we done Poon Hill, the, the other local guide who actually broke his foot about a month before <laughs> but he was limping mental. He said, I'll take you a different way back. And that's probably why we loved it because you go up and everyone goes back the same way, but he took us a different route and, we saw no one on this route. I didn't even know what the villages are called. We stayed in these like accommodation that was like a whole hotel in this like random village and it's like two pounds a night and it's got the most unbelievable view Class. and there's no one staying there. You, you you can't ride up there. You can't, you have to walk there. You can't get there by car or, yeah. or bike. So it's okay. pretty, pretty cool.
0: So, um, I asked this for every country, but what would be your must do activity like the must see the thing that you recommend to people to do the most about Nepal? Uh,
1: the Poon Hill trek.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Simply because uh, you'll decide on the trek if you want to carry on. If you think you want to do 21 days, but the Poon Hill is, is doable. And it, the views here, I, I can't really describe the views. It's just a different level. And it's, it's worth, like, the, uh, worth you the mean pain.
0: Everyone bangs on about base camp, but it, I imagine it'd just be so like busy, oversubscribed or... Yeah
1: yeah yeah you'll see tents everywhere everywhere it's it's definitely a thing to do but um it was never on my mind actually i want to do something like this where it's not quite as um probably well known um yeah uh, it was still slightly busy like it wasn't like we didn't see anyone but um you know we saw stuff like on the way back like some some local farmer who was herding all his goats up and we asked we asked the guy like why like can you ask him (laughs) where's he taking these goats and the the guide said uh there's a local goat festival going on next week so all the farmers take a week to get all the goats up the hills. It takes them a week to walk there. Um, I can't remember <laughs> where the place was. So, yeah, we got, we got uh, like, infested by goats for, like, two hours. We couldn't get past them. But, um, cool. yeah, so you kind of see that sort of stuff um, that you wouldn't see at base camp, really. Cool.
0: And, again, we love food, drink era on Travel mm. Bubble. What would be your – what's your food memory or that thing that sticks out in your mind when you think of food or eating or drinking in Nepal?
1: Yeah, I think you had um, – I guess on episode thirty, uh, she said dal bat um, from yeah. Nepal, and it is dal bat. Hundred percent, it's probably my favorite dish in the world. Um, it's like a, it's like a tali um from okay. India. So, um, the the base of it is dal, so it's like a lentil um lentil dish. But you get the best thing about it is you get different things everywhere you go. So, but the premise is you probably get a bit of roti rice, um, definitely dal, and you probably get little pots of two or three vegetable curries meat is quite i don't think meat or mutton is really that traditional you might you can find meat if you want it but we all have vegetarian ones and then you get like a -a poppadom as well and and then normally all you can eat so um you literally keep going until you're done and that's why i love it it? (laughs) i think what's what's the rule i think 80 percent of the population of pool have dalbat twice a day which is crazy when it's all you can eat so it's um it's definitely a food that they love and they know it and they, they share it with you. And, you know, if you're going to say someone at a guest house in, outside of the Kathmandu to chip one, they're going to have a, a completely different type of uh, bat, but it's going to be roughly the same. But it's just that's why it's so good. And like you're
0: getting that different taste, different flavour. Like, yeah, yeah. Every, quite spicy. Every, yeah. Yeah. Right, mm. Sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's your travel bubble destination number one, James. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Nepal before we move on?
1: Um, The only thing I would say is if you want a real left field option in Nepal, which not many people go to, go to Chitwan National Park. Okay. It's in the south and it's really hot. So you're going from being like pretty cold up in the mountains to like 35 degrees in the Chitwan National Park. And the reason you should go there is because they have some great um local safari tours and you've got hippos and elephants and rhinos and yeah. all, oh, all the, all the above. <laughs> that
0: sounds amazing
1: I've never heard of that yeah yeah so Chitwan National Park it's uh, actually it's the only road that's decent so do go there because the road is actually paved and um, it was a real unique experience and this might be a
0: stupid question but are them animals like indigenous or are they being brought in
1: (laughs) Uh, well it's on the border of India so I'd imagine they're pretty indigenous yeah 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 Um, it's on the southern border so it, it was like it's a, a real weird experience because we arrived from Pekara and like I said, we've been up, up in the mountains and it's chilly, right? We arrived like, bloody hell, we have to get inside into Aircon or fan because it's that hot. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we had, we, had a, we had a local guide take us through like a jungle trek a few days and yeah, these guys know their stuff. Like they can just smell a rat a mile away. So like, oh God, that's, that's like hippo poo. Let's go there. It's like, okay. That um,
0: sounds yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, um, pretty cool experience.
0: Okay, great. So in Nepal, number one. What would be your travel bubble destination number two?
1: This is a tough one, and it's between two, but I've plumped for this place, and it's Australia.
0: Right, out of interest, what was the other one that you're going to say?
1: I think you said before in your episode, USA, but um, yeah, um, because of diverse nature. But I just have a deep, seat, a deep love for Australia, so I've chosen Australia.
0: Okay, and um, so you've. You went there first for the cricket and you end up, you loved it that much. You returned and wanted to live there. So what was you, what was that like?
1: Um, probably best country in the world for that, to live. In, yeah. In my eyes. <laughs> uh, that's just my opinion, obviously. But um, I just can't think of a better place. And they just increased the, um, the age to go there, right? To work. So it's now 35. Is it? Um, yeah, the free trade agreement yesterday, I think UK, Australia, they announced that you can go up to 35 years old. So. And
0: once you've done it, you've done it like, so...
1: Yeah, I don't know what it means for me, but if you've not been there, you can do three years on the hop without That's doing. That's so fun. annoying, isn't like, it?
0: I, I've, yeah, I've yeah. just come back, like, um, so I've used my working holiday visa in Australia. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, what do, you, so but, what do you make of it?
0: Well, I, I think hindsight is a wonderful thing. <laughs> At the time, I was thinking it's like a hot England. But actually, hot yeah. England's pretty, pretty bloody good. Like, it's not. It's not a bad. So my uh, my feeling about Australia is, I would love to live in Australia. I'd, yeah. I think it's the best. Like probably the best place to go and relocate and live. Yes. But I'd have to take all my friends, all my family and stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm just like wholesale. Everyone just moves over there, which is <laughs> kind of what our friends did like there's quite a lot of living over there and some some still are but I think it is a bit of a trek. and now you realize that in like the pandemic like my best friend lives over there
1: mm. and
0: his his mum was like, well we can always just jump on a flight and I'm out if I'm missing you you can always fly over but during the pandemic it wasn't so easy and we got stuck yeah. there for like ten months um, so I was but yeah, I do love it and the the more I look back on it the, the more I actually do love it.
1: Yeah, I just I can't be a bad place. I I did go there quite a long time ago now. In terms of live, it's like twenty thirteen. But um, yeah, I mean the beaches, the brunch culture, the harbors, the epic road trips, the great cities. I just the awesome weather. There's great sport there as well, and there's a bit bit of a drinking culture. Yeah. And the job the job situation, you know, it's the only place I can think of that I've been to where I would say that if you're if you're struggling financially and you get a job in Australia that's pretty casual, you're still going to be paid 20 to 25 probably even $30 an hour if you can work in an office, right?
0: Well, And you'll be I, back on
1: your feet in no time.
0: I got a job in the pandemic in like a call centre, but it was like a financial services call centre. So it was like a skilled call centre, you, you could say. Okay. Yeah. Um, And is that the, the most I've ever been paid. <laughs> I've still, yeah, I've exactly. still, got, I've still yeah. got money in the bank like from that, from that job. That sums and, it up, there you go. And I was only there for like three months. Like, yeah, yeah. It's and, a, and unbelievable. And yeah. also what I like about Australia is, there's not really a class system, and no, it's not trading like trade tradies is a profession that people aspire to. Mm. Um, bar work, um, hospitality is a career. Whereas yeah, yeah. in the UK, like we look down on people like you do that kind of job. Um, we it's do, just yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, but in Australia, they're like. You can go, oh, I want to be a barman. What do you want to be when you're older? A barman. And you get the wage to, to live off comfortably and, and have wage, a good yeah. And so it, it's just, it's a different world in in terms of, like, like you say, working and finance.
1: You can literally, yeah, you can work three months like you did and then go off for like three months to Asia. Like it's that short. and um, Whereas UK, you, you'd be slogging away for a very long time. And the difference is for people listening, like, Let's say you're, you're growing up. Let's say you're 16, 17, 18. You put it six form here in UK. You might get a job in like I don't know retail, and you pay you pay six, seven pounds an hour wherever it is. In Australia, these same kids are getting twenty to twenty five dollars an hour. That's just what they pay. So if they're going to work at McDonald's, they're still getting twenty two dollars an hour. So imagine having that money at that age, and if you're semi sensible, you can save it a little bit. You're already off the bat three or four grand in like, as soon as you like probably finish school. Yeah.
0: It's
1: like, bloody hell! Like. It's, you, it's just, you can't compare. And that's why I why see so many Australians traveling because they just have so much money because they can just go back, work for six months, really earn a decent wage. And then to again off again for another six months. It's a, it's a dream place.
0: So where did you, how long were you there in the end?
1: I was there for my full year to the day.
0: Did, you, did I, you do any like farm work or anything?
1: No, I tried. I'd done six months in Melbourne in an office job and six months in Western Australia in Margaret river in the Southwest in the vineyards, and uh I realized I wasn't going to get enough days um so I sacked that off and I had a friend who got a it's a really random got a job as working in the kitchens in the mine sites in Northwest Australia nice I was like okay he goes yeah you should you should sign up it was like full on like it could be two weeks to four weeks on and then you have like two weeks off they get, you, you work every day. They pay for everything and you get so much money. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went and signed up in Perth. And uh, after probably, I probably forked out about $500, getting all the correct certificates and the medicals. But after that, I was straight in and I was doing that for six weeks, um, 17 days on, I think a week off and I was back on again. Towards the end of my trip. And that just bailed me out with money because I had enough money to go to South America with. So yeah, that was like 20 Six twenty-seven dollars an hour, but you're doing 12 hour days. Yeah. So, and, and straight, there's no break and um, it's pretty tough going, but I, I, I learned a lot on that, uh, on that job, like how to prep food and what work in the kitchens really, I really like and the tough, like sweating all day. And
0: yeah, well, wait. yeah, I did the same James. We, we went, we got the work holiday visa as a backup, so we flew to Australia to see our friends, Yeah, but we got the work holiday visa in our pocket. Just, nice. just in case. like Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. we go, oh, we're gone. I, I had this image of me. I wanted it to be like a banana humper. Just, <laughs> just for like a, a couple of weeks or a month, just for like the experience. Yeah. In, I didn't do it in reality because I couldn't be out living in a dorm room. <laughs> Fair. Um, Like it was like, like an indentured slavery. But what I did what I did do is um, got a job in a restaurant. Like it was like, oh, just a four-week temporary job um working just like you say just really long hours um and then you get like um a pay if you go over your hours and you get an extra bonus if it's antisocial hours and you get like a a bonus if it's a saturday or a sunday and you we got our first paycheck and we're like is this wrong and then all these like bonuses and we're like Oh yeah, that's just how it is. I'm mean, like, oh, we ended up staying there for like six weeks rather than four. And oh, awesome! Just, yeah, just but loved it. And again, like learn loads, like learn how to work in a kitchen, be a chef, but yeah. busy kitchen. It was just, but it was really fun as well. Really good experience.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's full of those sort of experiences, isn't it? Um yeah. My friend worked at um, CBH, which is a grain harvest company in Western Australia, and he was on site for um, probably about six months when it. This is when I first met him and we travelled afterwards in the pool, um, Scott. But he he would say some days towards the end of the harvest, they had to wait for one lorry, but they pay you. So he said, I'm just sitting here. My manager's gone, and look, it's probably arriving in five hours, but just in case he arrives early, you've got to be on shift. And it's like time and a half, so he's getting paid $40 now an and he's just watching Netflix, he's watching Dexter. Yeah. And then and and, and the, the guy turns up, it takes two minutes to, on the bridge, he does his thing with the grain, make sure it's all fine, and then waves him off, that's it. Oh he said that to save so much money because I was just doing these shifts where I just had to be there but I was getting paid $40 an hour it's just, <laughs> yeah it's just a bit mental
0: one of my funniest ones was it was New Year's Eve and they had this big Christmas tent up in like a suburb of Melbourne and yep. they're looking for some labourers to go and take down this big top this big massive uh-huh. like circus tent yeah and so I went I rang them up and said I'm, I'm up for it and then my mate said he'll come i just spent the day putting down this tent <laughs> got a lot of cash in hand, um, and then we just spent it on that New Year's Eve. But like, it was just, <laughs> it was just really fun. And he mentioned it last week. So I like, remember when we put that down that circus tent. And I was like, yeah, that was that was a funny day. Wasn't it?
1: And you're Australian, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> my friend um it reminded me of a story. Actually, my friend who I met over there on um Fraser Island, but he he. He's a bit of a, I don't know how to describe him. He's got a gift of gab. He's a bit, you know, he, 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 he can talk himself into anything. He saw a a post on Gumtree that some guy, what, just a garden done. Like, just a bit of landscaping. And he said he's done a bit of landscaping before. He'll go and do it for like, for like, a, like you said, like a day, get cash in hand. And um, the guy quoted it, Oh, yeah, probably I'll pay $300 for it. And mate said, oh, yeah, I'll go and do that. And he arrived and he actually thought, no, this needs a proper job. So what he then did is on Gumtree... He posted saying, that hey, any normal landscapers out there, I've got a job that's a bit too big for me. Here's how much it costs. But he said it costs 200. So some guy like rang him up and said, yeah, I'll take that job. He's like, oh, okay, well, I've got the cash for you. And he gave him 200, but he made $100 just by yeah. taking up to the job saying he'll do it. Then, yeah, I can do this. Then re- take the money. Then realize that he can't do it. And paid someone else <laughs> a third, two thirds of the wage and kept the third for himself. That's <laughs> class. It's just like, oh. Hundred dollars, and, and that's a night owl, isn't it? So, yeah. well, almost. But um, mm. there you go.
0: Well, I know a guy down on the Great Ocean Road. He's um, got a PhD. He's a doctor, mm. doctor in something to do with fish. Doctor fish. Um, and he left. He was living in Malaysia, like big good money, like love, you know, like proper job. Mm. Moved to Australia, camper van and stuff like that. And now he's a landscaper on the Great Ocean Road, and he earns wow. loads. Yeah. and he just loves it every day just out with his strimmer. like <laughs> just streaming and he just loves he just loves life but like he's escaped and that, that's his life now
1: yeah yeah streaming that
0: that eight years of education's
1: come in handy yeah hasn't and, it? He's, like, and he and he makes a lot yeah. more money doing streaming that's the thing it. in australia like, that what people need to get their head around is you can be a doctor in uk for example and you get your wage just think in australia you can be a landscaper and you can earn more just bear that in mind yeah if you bad. if you want to consider in terms of like a like you say escaping um, yeah. Australia's place to go, especially
0: if you like you say under thirty five and you've never been, it's such a good option, isn't it, to make a life out there?
1: Yeah, it's great. Uh, I would highly recommend it for anyone. And the only regret I have is I didn't go for longer. Yeah. Um, but because I think it, you have a choice. If you don't get your farm days, you have got to choose. Do I just accept that, or do I try and lie and say to get my farm days and don't get investigated? Yeah. Um, if you don't get investigated, you get you get your second year. But if you do, I don't think you'd be coming back. So, yeah, yeah, that's the choice I had really.
0: So what would be your must do activity or place or thing to do in Australia?
1: God, yeah, there's so many. Bloody hell. I didn't know what I put my notes for this, but I've got notes. Um <laughs> yeah, I put that. It's a cliche, you've already mentioned it. I'm not gonna say that actually. No, I'm gonna say the best the best group and time I had, I think, when we'd done the East Coast before we settled to go and work was Fraser Island. Okay. Um if you can get um, a two night, three day tour there where you're sort of camping on the, on the beach and you drive Jeeps on the beach and you sort of see this unbelievable island, I think that's probably the must do activity.
0: Okay. Very nice. And what about food or drink in Australia? I put, I put brunch
1: cause it's a brunch place, right? Yeah. Um, Melbourne where I lived for six months has great brunch and coffee. So I would go to South Melbourne, um, in that area near our near, um, park and go and check out some real cool cafes in that area. Like, yeah, early careful or something like that.
0: Yeah. It's like a bit of a cliche now. As soon as you see an avocado. I just think of like Melbourne. Yeah. Really.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> it's a tough one food because the same as that something, I don't know, I don't know what's different out there, but um, yeah, I'll get brunch cause it's kind of where it started.
0: Yeah. I like it. Okay. So you've had Nepal, Australia, what would be your travel bubble destination? Number three. Japan, right, nice
1: no brainer. It's <laughs> it's you said there before you don't like going back to places. This is one place I would go back to.
0: Okay, um, um, yeah. why is it, why is it made the list?
1: Um, this has made the list because when we went for four weeks again, went for four weeks again, um, we felt like we didn't even see hardly anything, and we were every day seeing and doing something. Um, so we checked out. All the great cities but i think there's so much more outside of that um so we've done the classic tokyo kyoto Osaka, hiroshima nagasaki kobe uh nara so all these like great cities that you can get to on the bullet train which yeah. is um when you compare it to the trains in the uk for example it's an absolute disgrace but um yeah you can pay for and this is only for foreigners it's not for locals you can get a rail pass for japan and it costs about I'd say it's about $400 US, um, but for three weeks, that's unlimited bullet trains. It's going to cost you that much to book one way, a return trip from Tokyo to Osaka, so you might as well get this pass. And it gives you the option to go wherever you want, and they're all on time, they're all clean, and they're super fast. So in Nepal, when it says like 10, 12 hours on a bus to get to 200 kilometers, in Japan, it's going to take an hour and a half, like or even an hour. It's, it's a different level. Because we flew from Japan to... The pool. so we had a complete polar opposite yeah, of, okay. um, <laughs> of, of culture in terms of how it's done um, but yeah so the transport's great the cities are great the people are so nice they don't speak great English but they'll try and help you out and speak to you um, numerous times when we're out for a beer they would try and talk to us and try and find out where we're from and tell us about their their life and stuff like that and it's got so much history there deep-rooted history and the food a bit of a food we'll come to food in a minute obviously but a plethora of food if you like your sort of like soupy type stuff or or your pork they have great pork out there um but the the plethora of options in terms of japan is a bit like um i don't know i'm trying to struggle somewhere else to think about this but you can go north to do skiing in sapporo so the northern Islands or you can go all the way south, south to okinawa and be like near the equator and it's just unbelievably yeah. hot so you've got that full range of um Ability to have whatever you want to do, whether that's yeah skiing or or surfing or going to beach. So covers all areas on that front.
0: So on that trip, is there any like, um, was there any highlights of like city highlights? What what was your favorite place?
1: Yeah, I Emma had my government Emma had a friend who lived in Tokyo. So she her she's from Birmingham, but her husband is from Tokyo. Cool. So he took us to that. He's place that you'd never even imagine. But um he took us as one place to go and have some sushi and stuff. I'm not a big fan of sushi, but I, I went along obviously. And uh I don't know if it's like a quite expensive place, but he got the he got the food for us. But it's like we had our own little um room yeah, you yeah. like like folding doors, Those are classic class. like Japanese folding doors and our own waitress and she come bring all this food and on the table and like uh, telling us what it is. And you can go to some, some top class sushi places in Tokyo. But my my favorite thing, and this is quite morbid, was actually the um, in Hiroshima, the atomic bomb museum. Um, for I just think that you just need to understand what happened there, and take the politics out of it a little bit, and see how people did suffer from that. And I think when you go to Hiroshima and you see that the one the dome that survived, it's still there, it's still been left. Um, so half of it is there on the river in Hiroshima. Um, and then you read all the stories about what happened afterwards it's just it's just harrowing but you i think you need to understand it and it gives you a more sense of um i don't know what i don't know to describe it really like oh, we're, we're not there we don't know the times right but the question is was it needed but yeah it's just um reading those stories and the aftermath and stuff like that um yeah the respect that people give you you think oh wow did they really deserve that but different times you yeah, yeah. Different, different stuff
0: uh I I always mention it on the podcast, but there's a there's a podcast series by Dan Carlin called Supernova in the East. Um, Okay, yeah. If anyone plays Travel Bubble Bingo, I I mention that every week. But uh, (laughs) there there was a story about Hiroshima because it's about Japan and their history and their involvement in World War Two. There's one story in particular that sticks out in my mind, and basically, this woman it was Hiroshima, and this woman's house had collapsed. Her husband was really like suffering. But he, he was he was okay enough to yeah. walk. She was okay. She was like she could walk, she was fine. But a daughter this building had collapsed on her daughter. Oh. And it, okay. she, like her legs were trapped and they couldn't get her out. And they were surrounded by trees and the fire was coming. Right. And she was like, What do I do? Do I stay with my daughter? Or do I leave her my husband? And she said, sorry, I'm too much of a... Her daughter was a little girl, like, you know, like seven or eight. She mm. said, sorry, I'm too much of a coward to stay with you. I love you. But I'm going to have to go. And then she walked off with her husband and that left her... And then her, her husband died as well, like, that <laughs> night. But she said she could never, like... Imagine that, like, <laughs> it's just awful. And that's just yeah. one... Like, we think of it as such as, like, a... A world event, but mm. when you like drill down into the humanity of it and like the individual individuality and in the stories, it's absolutely horrific. Um but, Yeah, yeah. And there's so
1: many stories that people survived, right? Yeah. Uh, there's so many people died. And if you go to Nagasaki, there's another one there, and you see the bit where the actual they've got like a monument where they, the bomb dropped, like right in mid center of town. Bloody like, hell! Like imagine it coming down here and just like it's it's. Yeah, we we actually went to both, like the Nagasaki and Hiroshima memorials, um, museum things. But yeah,
0: they're great. So, um, would that be your must-do thing in Japan? Uh, no, I've got another thing for must-do. Oh, cool. But yeah, definitely. We're, so, uh, touching on that, the the, the rail pass. Yeah. if you want only get the rail pass outside of the country.
1: Yeah, you can't. You, locals can't get this. Yeah. So So, um, you can get it in the country, but you have to prove that you. You just basically put, give you passport over and then they do it for you on the spot
0: so we we bought him out of the country left him in Bangkok got to Japan yeah and th- back then we couldn't you couldn't get him in the country under 100 percent or maybe you couldn't get another oh. one or something like have oh, okay. been issued or something um so we just we couldn't um we didn't have the rail pass quite annoying the, the, <laughs> yeah, it's a little annoying. The <laughs> only thing that it really scuppered was we couldn't go to Hiroshima, um, okay, because of time and money. Because yeah, but yeah. well, it's a shame. But yeah, that trip rail pass is definitely uh, a thing to do.
1: You can definitely get in the country because we went to I think it must have been Tokyo to the station where they issued them out. Class. And we, there's a separate queue for foreigners. And uh, okay, you go Class. and get your pass there. It
0: makes sense to yeah. be able to get them in the country.
1: Yeah. You just need to prove that you're not Japanese, basically. and You'd be fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what would be your must-do activity then in Japan? I
1: would go to Hakone and go to Tenzan Onsen.
0: Okay, what's that?
1: Onsen is like a public bath where um, you get fully naked and it's separated by women and men, obviously. And you just go and chill out in these like natural springs that are just good for your skin. And they've got different levels of... uh, warmth i think and um, the one i went to but um yeah the annoying the, the thing i went is i just went straight now i was so excited i went straight now I, like, right, I need to get in, the, in these baths i forgot my bag so emma had my towel i was like oh shit i can't i, ha- ha- I can't go into her side of this i can't shower yeah. the wall they're too far like and then lucky japan classic japan there's a um there's a vending machine right next to our men's dressing room and a hundred yen gets you a towel. So I had a hundred yen <laughs> amazingly and one towel left was in the vending machines. So I got the last towel and it's oh. like a, I've still got it today. Actually, it's in the bathroom. It's a, <laughs> it's a white towel with like Japanese writing on it. It's quite cool, but yeah, that, cool. That, that bailed me out.
0: <laughs> so where is Hakone? That's
1: quite close to, um, Tokyo. Okay. Um, like
0: towards Fuji, is it?
1: Oh yeah. We did climb Fuji to be honest. <laughs> I should probably should have mentioned that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's probably gonna be like Aaron Aaron fifteen, Aaron twenty from the south, so it is towards Fuji, yeah. So what is special about that on or is it it's kind of um it was recommended by someone I met in Australia who's Japanese. Um and then she mentioned that and then someone else, I can't remember who mentioned the same one. So I heard it twice. I was like, right, well, we need to go there. It's a little bit more expensive, but um yeah, you probably just gone a train to Hakone and Tenzan Onsen. It's a real cool place, um, Hakone. It's like in the hills, in the mountains. It's like a town in in the valley almost. Class. Um, and the train arrives right through the middle. It's quite cool views. Um, and there's transport to get up the hills, like buses and stuff. So you, you won't
0: walking up the hills. What would you say um, to like the prudish Brits listening about getting naked in these baths? Ah, uh, like no one gives a fuck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, like. You got all sorts of people in there. I'm not I'm not blessed with a six pack, don't worry about that. So you got you got you got me you got old people like eighty just doing it. And you got youngsters who are like like me were yeah, a bit podgy. Just no one cares. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just get it out. Um you think yeah, you sort of like secretly get your clothes off like, oh no, who's looking? But no one really cares. Right. Like, just no. crack on. Cool. I'm not sure on COVID times actually how that would be like. Yeah. But, um back in twenty eighteen, that's fine.
0: Cool. Um, and what would be your food, food memory of Japan?
1: Uh, katsu curry is my favorite. I think the nice. cliche, but, fo- um, yeah. Ramen was close, but, um, no katsu curry for me.
0: Is there any particular like place you had you it in one place and be like, oh, that was amazing.
1: No, I shamelessly went to that chain called Coco. I don't even remember it. a chain yeah, called Coco. To be
0: fair, they, they're good and you can get yeah, the, you can yeah. choose your level of spice can't you
1: yeah 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 and I'm not I don't really eat meat so uh, they done a vegetarian one so it's like well I'm going to go there um, so yeah that he went to Coco
0: no it's good I we, we had that yeah. in Bangkok and you you, I love this I love the being able to choose like the spiciest one or like the next um, get the flavour of captive but get the heat as well and it's just really it's yeah. lovely
1: loved it yeah
0: okay so is there anything else you'd like to say about Japan before we move on?
1: One tip. Um, if you do Mount Fuji, the summit, which is pretty decent hike. It's not too bad. Don't do it on the last day of the season like we did because they're all wrapping up. So you're not going to get the best hospitality, should we say, Okay. when you climb Mount Fuji. Um, to give you an example of what I mean, we climbed up, pissed and down with rain. I, you know that rain when you just give up? You accept yeah. you're, you're soaked. There's nothing to do about it, It's that rain. And we're like trudging up left right like switchbacks and we went to the last station so we thought we we'll would do that because the next morning it's a short 45-minute hike up to the top to the summit and we got there and they're not interested the people wearing it they just want to they're cleaning up like it's the last day they're all going back down the mountain the next day and they made us put our wet clothes in bin bags Oh. And normally they would be in the front bit where you sit and have your food, but they're like, no, we're cleaning this. So they've got to above your bed. So we had dripping uh, wet clothes, dripping from the bin bag above us when we slept that night. And it wasn't the best experience.
0: And you had to put them back on the next day?
1: Yeah, I think I had one bit of dry clothing in my bag that survived because I had it in a carrier bag. But yeah, <laughs> some of those are getting put back on next oh, that's
0: day.
1: That's horrible. And that's horrible. But yeah. Um, it was a great hike in terms of like you get to the top and that's oh, you know top of Mount Fuji is pretty cool, but we saw nothing because it's just full of cloud and rain. So um what the top of it was was clear, it was it was like clear sky above oh, cool. the clouds. Class. Um but yeah, it was tough um in terms of the rain. But yeah, just do it on a a normal day because I think you get like all these stops when you go up, like you get ramen, you get coffee, but nof- nothing was open on the last day. They're all closed, they're all gone. So if you go like any other day, I can imagine you get to the first stop, have a bit of ramen and a coffee, and chill out, and then get to the next stop. It Was quite quite casual.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Um, but we had to get through and get to the station because it was
0: pissing down rain. So, what do you mean by station? Like, like I oh,
1: have of- no, no, sorry, they mean uh, like little little base camps. You have like okay, uh, base camp one, which is like the furthest from the top, up to eight. Eight is the closest one to the top. So we went to eight. Just got got there on the first day.
0: Okay, so you can literally get. St- start and get to wait on the first day
1: yeah um, you, you can go online and book this and you can decide what station you want to stop at for the night um, That's actually I think that's one of the top rated ones but it's just because last day of season yeah, they weren't was interested vast. yeah um, but I would go to that at number 8 because you get longer in the morning if you've got clear day they've got a nice balcony to see the view oh, um, cool. so yeah try and book the 8th station if you can um, it's weird I'm giving it a bad review but I'm giving it a good review so <laughs> <laughs> any other day would have been good
0: yeah <laughs> okay yeah so you've had the three countries we've had nepal australia and japan they're yep. locked in now i'm gonna ask you for your wild card james which is a country that you've not been to but you want to go to top of your bucket list really
1: yep Colombia is is mine
0: okay why columbia
1: um, i'm a huge coffee drinker so I think they're the best coffee. So I want to go and learn how to roast coffee there. I think that's probably, and learn Spanish. I think they're the two things that I want to do properly. And um, people might say, oh, I'll just go to Spain. But I'm like, no, I'm going to go to Colombia. So <laughs> I, I've been to Spain, so I can't even choose anyway. So, but um, yeah, so Colombia is is here because of the coffee. I want to learn South American Spanish. So Colombia is the best place to go. And my friend, Rachel, who we met in, in New Zealand, um, said if there's anywhere that she would go and live, in se- South and Central America, I've been to South America a few, you know, a few places. Um, should say Colombia. Okay, and Medi- Medellin is the city that should live in. And like, people think Medellin is the Escobar and all that sort of stuff, which it is, obviously, in the history. But um, I'm like, okay, so it's on my list. I've done loads of research on it, and they've got so many different parts of Colombia. You, you can go north to the Caribbean coast, so you have got your beaches, or you go west to the jungle, or you go like all these cities that like, dotted around, and they speak the best Spanish, and like coffee is raw. It's like there, like, I just think it's a cool country to go to. No,
0: yeah, absolutely. It sounds good, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it sounds a bit of a dream. <laughs>
0: um, I, I saw the other day that you, you fancy doing a podcast episode in Spanish. Are you, is your Spanish yeah. all right?
1: Nah, it's, it's basic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. but I, uh, I work at a college, so I get free courses. Um, okay. So I had a few, I had a, before COVID, unfortunately, I was going in every day, like, every week, um, Learn Spanish from this uh teacher. issue from Argentina. uh That's unfortunately stopped. But I learned to a point where I could probably get a, get by in South America. But doing a podcast in Spanish is going to take a level of dedication that I need to. I can either do it scripted. I can like just write it out and script yeah, yeah. it. Or if I want to be flexible and have to learn a decent yeah. level of Spanish. Right.
0: I think it's like Eddie Azad who does like. Stand up in diff- different languages. I know pe- other people probably do it, but he did like a full full set in French. But I think oh, what wow. he did is he just translated his English set into French. For I the think first one, so that could be like a an option. Yeah, yeah, that Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird because I um,
1: mentioned Colombia. It's a bit a bit of a coincidence, really. But I had quite a few Colombian downloads this week on my podcast. I saw anything Yeah, uh, like yeah, I was like, why are different people? I have no idea how it's even got there. I don't know. I don't know anyone Colombia and that. You can see different regions come in there from three different regions. I'm like,
0: that's, what, well, that's weird, that isn't it? it says to
1: me they don't know each other. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they do. But um yeah, just a bit weird. So I've done like a little line in Spanish on my Instagram this week just to say thank you to Colombians. But um yeah, pretty cool.
0: Class. Well, James, the, your travel bubble destination's all done and dusted. But before you go, I wouldn't mind asking you a few like general travel questions. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, yeah. Crack on.
0: So James, what would be your top travel tip to someone listening
1: oh, I think you already mentioned it take your time um again this comes down to money but um and no responsibilities but if I've learned anything it's take your time somewhere and don't rush we're in such a big rush to tick things off do that do this post this do this but do we actually really save an experience um you got to ask yourself that question when you travel so I think that you can only save it somewhere when you have the ability to um choose how long <clears throat> how long or how short you stay somewhere so um australia for example if you'd love it stay longer do more if you don't like it go somewhere else um, have that choice where a lot of times before i've been fixed to flights so southeast asia in 2013 three months me and mike went and done that my friend mike but we had flights they were interchangeable i know that but they had flights where we had to get yeah. to a point at a certain time and that puts a bit of pressure on and looking back, like I think we could have stayed in Bangkok an extra week. We love Bangkok. Um, but we we sort of not force ourselves at like, oh, we should get a move on here. Um, yeah, so I'd say take your time.
0: Okay. How out of interest, how did you end up in Canada for such a long time?
1: Um we so I've done Australia, New Zealand. I'm, run, I'm running out of working visas now. Um in New Zealand I was with my girlfriend and she said, Oh, we should go to Canada next. Like she brought it on. I was like, ah. Oh, Never really on my thought list, never really on my my list, my thinking, right? So we just applied for a work permit, which was two years at the time. And it's not quite as easy. You have to go into like a pool and you get drawn out. It's a bit weird. And the reason we stayed longer is because of COVID. Okay. Um, If I'm honest, we probably would have been off um, in normal times last year, um, traveling again. But because of COVID, we had decent jobs. We thought we'd stay longer while COVID sorts itself out. Um, So we thought we'd stay a bit longer and save more money okay and yeah we got permanent residency re- residency actually in that time My, how um, it, just it's really easy like australia is pretty hard to get that I, i've read yeah. um Canada's super easy and it's super cheap like two and a half thousand dollars and all in of all the stuff and it takes six months to maybe nine months to get and as long as you've got a semi decent job that you can put a code on like if you come here and you work for a year in hr for example that is a something that they want you to stay with, so you can just flag that as your as your like one year experience here in Canada work experience, and they'll keep you on. So okay, yeah, we have got PR, so that's five years um, from about three months ago.
0: Class, congratulations. Um, you might not be a materialistic person, James, but I always ask this: what would be your best souvenir that you've got from your travels?
1: Yeah, tough question. Is I don't have anything souvenirs, but. I went for a t-shirt. <laughs> I bought a t-shirt in Myanmar when we were there. And the reason I say this is it's actually one of my favorite t-shirts and I get, you know, I get a bit of because I always wear it, but it <laughs> kind of reminds, <laughs> it just reminds me of the country and the the times before what they're in now. So, um, the nice, again, so nice. Those people in Myanmar.
0: What um, What's your t-shirt like?
1: It's got the alphabet. It's, got, it's a, it's a, um, maroon color, quite a deep red, but it's got the alphabet. Myanmar. I've got, got a Vietnam one on today, but, um. Yeah, it's got the alphabet, and uh, I think it's the outfit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, is that
0: um, great? No, that's cool. I um, tend to wear my t-shirts to death. Like, I get one, yeah, I yeah. just I'll, I'll just wear it forever. Uh, <laughs> usually, I I only wear vests really. Like,
1: but, okay,
0: um, so I I always just cut the sleeves off. Uh, like, but yeah, I've got loads in there. Like, just. I just rotate these <laughs> t-shirts that I have forever. I um, do have a
1: rule: if I get a new country, I get a new t-shirt. That's my rule. So do I don't buy any t-shirts like, in real life.
0: Yeah, I'm like, I'll like mind that. I'll get, I'll get a t-shirt that I really like. But it's got to be like a bit weird or a bit unusual. Yes. Um, yeah. That's cool. So we've talked about the good things and travel's amazing, dead, dead nice. What about the bad side of travel? Have you ever been in any dangerous situations? i uh, been in a few. Um, in
1: Thailand no hang on so in Laos no I'll go back in Vietnam you, you go, you go to, across the top right so we got into Laos from Vietnam horrendous bus ride like 30 hours 38 hours or something ridiculous got to Laos done our stuff in Laos I'm going to Thailand so you can of go down or you go up so we went up to Thailand and the, I guess it's the Mekong River will divide the border so I arrived at the border um, you know honestly nothing untoward just arrived from a passport went to get my stamp out of the country. And then suddenly this guy was just shouting at me, this loud border fish. I'm like, whoa, like, why is he kicking off at me? No idea why. Got to the point where I couldn't understand what he's saying. Like, he wasn't speaking English, obviously. And I was like, ah, oh, what do I do here? And it got a bit of a slagging match. Like, what do you want? I don't know what you want. And yeah. I sort of just took a passport off him and said, no, I'm going off to Thailand. So I walked off to the boat, got a boat across. What's the Thai border now. Thailand's a bit more worldly they speak english and they, they can tell you what's going on got to the border official bit standard looking got a uniform he said no not come to thailand i said oh why is that he goes you have no stamp into lao or out of lao i'm like oh what do you mean is that like, your stamp is not here the visa was there but the stamp was there and i was like
0: oh fuck like,
1: somehow i missed getting a stamp into the country oh okay from vietnam i don't know how i still yeah. don't remember how i done that. Um, I was like, oh God. He goes, you got you got to go back and get a stamp in and out before you can come into Thailand. And all my friends got through and they're waiting in the bus. So some of them like just dumped me some money and uh, some Thai button US dollars. I was like, right. So I went back across the boat. And as I got back across the boat, there's about four guys there, one in the military uniform, and I guess three of his officials just pointed me out as I come out, I had my England top on, pointed me out. <laughs> I was like, oh, show in trouble there. And they marched me off to this office on my own. And uh yeah somewhere in the depth on that border i was at the back of the office and i walked in and the guy had a gun obviously and sat there next to me and two two officials are there and one guy was standing up they're weirdly watching snooker the us uh, sorry uk snooker championships weird. <laughs> yeah funny bit bored um and then one of them asked if i spoke lower i don't speak i don't speak lowish and whatever it's called so yeah he's like oh, okay so the guy translated pretty basically English said like, you have no stamps like yeah I know that he goes it's going to cost you money to get a stamp I said like, oh fuck he said like, it's going to cost you this money to get a stamp in and then we'll stamp it out so obviously he asked how much and straight, straight away he went 60 US dollars or the equivalent type Thai bar I was like oh, no way I'm not paying that so we just sat there in silence and I was like no I'm not paying it he goes cool you can't go <laughs> I'm like oh I kind of sat there like I've got no choice here, and they're not going to let me go Like I'll be stuck in his office forever like what do I do yeah. My friends are waiting for me. <laughs> so then i had done a bit of maths and I realized that the two figures that he gave me, Thai bar and US dollars, Thai baht was actually a little bit less. It's like $52 or $53 in US. I was doing like math in my head. I was like, oh, so I'll go with Thai baht because it'll save me money, like a day in Asia, if you like. And it got to like maybe half an hour and it's just getting ridiculous. And I, I tried to talk to him about snooker, weren't interested. I said, oh, Can you just put the stamp there and the passport with no money? They're like, no. I like, oh, okay. <laughs> Tried everything. And then I just gave him money. And as soon as I gave him the money, bam, bam, stamp the passport, off you go. <laughs> Man. And yeah, I got back across uh, into Thailand. And then the guy like, sort of laughed at me. He said, Yeah, that, that happens quite a bit. So, brilliant. I
0: suppose they probably do it on both sides. Like, maybe not stamp every 20 passports. So then. When they leave, that, yeah, that people get, get to bribe. So we'll let some in without a stamp. You let some in without a stamp. And then both ends, we <laughs> yeah. get a nice bribe.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The only, the only thing i say in Thailand is you have decent signs, like passport control, visa control. I just remember going back to Laos, like, years later, they don't have any signature, so you kind of just follow the next person along. Yeah. You think, and I remember, like, when I got to Laos, like, Six years later, I was like, right, remember get the stamp this time. And yeah, <laughs> got got the visa, got the stamp and that's fine. But yeah, just a lesson learned really. It's, it's a bit scary because I was on my own. First time I was on my own, I think all my friends had gone across the, to the border into Thailand. And I was like, oh shit, like no one really knows I'm here apart from my friends. Like they're probably just going to go off to Chiang Mai. Yeah. Um, and I got back just about five minutes later, we left. So good timing really.
0: Mad. It's horrible. Um, now, have you got, you're at a dinner party, and you, or you're at a hostel. You're chatting about travel. Have you got like a travel anecdote that like you pull out the bag? Mm. It's a hard one, that, isn't it? But yeah, may, I've got maybe a few. you've got one off the cuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I've got, I've, I've got a few. I don't know what to put on record really. Um, <laughs> the one that's come out quite a bit with my friends, and they, my friends at home, tell other people about this, and I probably, I'm not going to name any um, organisations here. Um, but I, when I was in Australia, I got a bit bit, bit silly, really. I was with one, one of the banks, one of the main banks in Australia, should we say. And when I was there, halfway through my job, they gave me um, like an option to have a credit card. And I was like, no, I'm traveling for six more months. I'll be gone. They're like, oh, no, no, you, you, we can see you earn a decent wage in Melbourne. Like, Just do the test and we'll tell you how much you could possibly get. I was like, oh, whatever. So then it's like online form. And this got this bot or this person in the and said, like, oh, okay. So he said, I'll be back in two minutes. He said, oh, but our calculations, if you were to apply for this credit card, um, we can give you $10,000. And that's blew my mind. I was like, oh, what happens if I just get that credit card? So i got it. And then, and then what happened is I just did not pay anything back. So I, I used it properly in Australia, got the increase to about $13,500 and then spent all that travelling in South
0: America and not paid a <laughs> penny back since. So, and is it fine? Like, is it the car you? I've been back since. Um, not a problem.
1: I was a bit scared going back the first time. I was like, shit, imagine my like name comes up on the red list at the at the border. But I went to different states, so I don't um, think that really matters. But yeah, I just, I was in South America, I was in New York, I ran out of money, but nah, just taking money out of the credit card and the cash point <laughs>
0: that's class isn't it free money
1: free money yeah that's what i say it's free money and <laughs> my, my friends joke that i just keep breaking rules in different countries and um yeah, yeah i'll be arrested soon but yeah got away with that one
0: that's class i like it so that's a good top tip <laughs> <for> anyone, <laughs> anyone listening
1: yeah yeah if um i'm not sure what it's like nowadays but back back then 2013 there's stuff like you be a backpacker, you do your tax, and you get eighty percent back. I think they've changed the rules now. There's a, there's a flat backpacker rate for that working visa type. But back then, so not only was I smashing the credit card, like getting money out all the time, I was actually getting my tax back as well. And that's like seven, eight thousand so yeah. dollars. I had like an unbelievable amount of money, but I didn't save any I just spent it all traveling. But um, in my defence, I have one thing in my defence. Got back to UK, I went to log online. I was like, ah. Oh, it's disappeared like i was actually thinking about oh, i probably should pay some of back i went to log on and my current account was there but my credit card account which is linked was disappeared i had no way to even consider paying yeah, it back so that's, ringing, why, that's why imagine I
0: ringing out. up a band going i think i i owe you 13 grand i know, <laughs> yeah. I, I just that conversation would be funny <laughs>
1: yeah imagine never got you ever ever in. oh where are you Oh, you don't know where
0: I am. No, oh, oh, sorry about yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Jay, thanks so much for all your travel stories and your travelable choices. Is before I let you go for the day, is there anything else you think of you'd like to say? Anything that you've missed?
1: Um, I know one of your questions was a memorable character, wasn't it? I had that on my list.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I always forget to ask that one. Uh, um, have you got any memorable characters that you've?
1: I weirdly have one in Australia. I, I did this very quickly before we wrap up but um and i don't even know why he comes to my mind and you think oh you probably met her, like a job dealer or murderer blah 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 but um this guy so i was doing the the mine work in northern uh, northwest australia and for one day i don't know why to this day they said oh, this, uh this rail camp it's about three hours in the outback they need your help can you <laughs> go out there i was like yeah okay so they took me out there arrived and the woman who was in charge was like no we're fine um, you can just chill out in the camp until until late, and someone will take you back. So, right. And this camp was the sort of camp where you have to wear boots because there'd be snakes on the floor. You have to be really careful where you walked. Um, it's middle of nowhere, it's hot. And they have like these like caravans that are just basically places where people can go in with a bit of air con. And there's like one one of them was a kitchen, one was like a games room, one was like a communal area. And anyway, I sort of hang around there. And the guy took me back, it's called Kevin. At the time, this is Kevin's a guy. And he was a, a stock Aussie, um, quite brash, loud, swearing, um, some uncouth things he, he was saying. And the reason that I remember him is because and in this day and age of conspiracy theorists, he was one of those back in the day. I didn't realize it until recently. Yeah. And his quote was like, Oh, no one sees the world like I do. I was like, right. So I started questioning about stuff um I didn't know about. That so, the iron ore, the campsite that we're working on is iron ore, and the price was going up. And his theory would be that, oh, yeah, the price is going up, it's all fixed because this company's got a deal with China and China has got a deal with someone else, and they all do deals. And everything I said, he came up with like a reason about yeah. like some people like secretly doing deals and the world's all fixed. And I was like, oh, this guy's just hilarious. So, for three hours on, on the ride back, he was telling all these stories. And this Kevin, you know, he's probably a little bit racist, I think, from him as well which is not great. Um, but yeah, he would just come out with this stuff that I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, conspiracy theorists, a bit racist. And he just, in my mind in, in terms of someone that I just remember, Yeah. and yeah. He, he would slag off the company that I was working for. And I'd ride back and they had the team meeting. He's like, oh yeah, fucking shit. Like the same as <laughs> team meeting. I'm like, who is this guy? Um, <laughs> really Proper random. Aussie. Proper Aussie. Yeah. Like
0: they are, there are a different breed Aussies, aren't they? They just don't care.
1: Do not care because he was like the the more I don't know what his job was. I think he was engineer or something. So he was we were like the kitchen staff, like almost like the lowest low, really. Yeah. And he would like take the piss at us the, the people who like led us, like the managers, and they were a bit shit. But he's like, Oh yeah, that guy's is- he's fat and he's fucking shit. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he, he keeps, he keeps saying he's, he thinks about you, but he doesn't care about you. He cares about money. And he just starts <laughs> slagging off all the team. And You're then getting he getting in your he, head right as well. A... Yeah, yeah. And he right back and started like doing it in public. I'm like, oh my God, who is this guy? Yeah. Just a random guy that I met in Australia. Yeah.
0: yeah. So James, you've had loads of stories, got a lot of things to say. If the listeners who are new to you, if they want to find you, where's the best place to go?
1: Yeah. I do a weekly travel podcast um, called the uh, I've changed the slight name to actually Winging It Travel Podcast. I've chucked in travel in there, um, which is released on a Monday. And that is, you're obviously coming on soon. Um, But it's a casual sort of like anecdotal type podcast. So um, I get people like yourself to come on and talk about where you've been, some funny stories and stuff like that, some tips. And you can find me on Instagram. Um, You can search Winging It Travel Podcast on Instagram. And my actual name is James Hammond Travel, but um, you can search for both. I'm also on TikTok and I have a website called jameshammond.org. Uh, I think I'm also on Facebook, Winging It Travel as well, podcast. And yeah, you can just find me there. Uh, I put regular posts up and for my travels the last like seven, eight years. So yeah, send me a message if you want to come on the show or check
0: out my podcast. Class. Well, thanks so much, James. And I look forward to coming on yours, mate. Um, thanks, thanks, mate. It's been great. No, nah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's a great, um, I just want to say before
1: we go, it's a great idea you've got. So when I, when I received it from you, I was like, oh, it's a great idea. Like, it gets you thinking, like, you, you start weighing up what the country's been to, like, no, not there, there, there. It's actually quite a cool structure. So, like, nice one, mate. I think it's a great, great thing oh, you've got going there.
0: Thank you there. very much. Yeah, like, it, people who've I've, – I've never done it. Like, I've never actually done my three. I think it's really hard. Oh, right, <laughs> you need to come on and do your podcast,
1: but you're, you're a guest.
0: Yeah, i to. <laughs> see, episode 100. Um, yeah. but yeah people who have done it said they actually really like the process and they get some thinking about the past and the travel it's good people love traveling so it gets them thinking about the best times of their life basically
1: yeah and mine's quite loose so i'll just do a bit of research on you i'll probably ask you like what do you want to talk about and stuff like that but um yeah it's kind of a bit more structured so you you kind of know like where it's going to go next I, I i quite like that actually but
0: it's a bit easier i mean it's easier for me like yeah yeah. yeah, But, um, well, thank, uh, um, hey, 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 thanks for putting the time and effort into thinking about your answers and, uh, and your research and stuff.
1: Yeah, no worries. I'm, I'm slowly getting through your episodes, so, um, <laughs> I kind of picked a few that are sort of interesting titles. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get through them. <laughs> oh, Excuse <cheers, mate>. me.
0: <laughs> the unforgettable story of the 30-year-old climber Tom Ballard, who disappeared on the so-called killer mountain. Nanga Parbat in 2019 so it's a documentary and it's on BBC iPlayer right now and you can can tell from that it's not really a spoiler alert but sadly Tom along with a fellow climber Italian climber attempted to climb this Nanga Parbat and never came back very sad but what makes it even sadder or more poignant is that his mother was this world famous climber as well, like one of the best female climbers, if not the best female climber in the in the world ever. And again, not a spoiler; it's it's public domain. But she she sadly died on a mountain as well. I think she was attempting to climb K two, which is very close to Nanga They're both in Pakistan, and so basically, they both have the last mountains. In uh, in Pakistan, like the mother and son, and basically, when his mother died, uh, his his dad took Tom and his sister along to like K two base camp to just to see the mum's last mountain to see where the mum had died, and then fast forward I don't know, th- twenty five years whatever, Tom dies on this Nanga Parbat and his sister takes the uh, trip to pakistan again and goes to see his last mountain and oh it's 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 really good it's uh, we've talked about climbing documentaries many times on this podcast but the scenery is just incredible and this one like is is great and definitely worth a watch um my, my highlights for me were tom's dad who is just an absolute character the way he he, you'll see when you watch it and I I do recommend you watch it he's just an absolute legend really like he just makes me laugh the way he um, he's so straight like no nonsense no sugar in the pills but the way he talks to his kids um, about when they go and visit uh, the mum's last mountain is just incredible and another particular highlight is when they first went to K2 to see where their mum died they went with this guide and um, Tom's sister was like three years old at the time, three or four years old and this guide carried her on the, his back all the way up to like K2 base camp and then 25 years later she goes back to see Tom's uh, Last Mountain and she meets up with this guide who who took her when she was a, a toddler and their connection is incredible. Their meeting and it's just really good and I urge you to check it out on BBC iPlayer or wherever you can find it because it's a great documentary and travel wise you get to see parts of Pakistan and I said when I was watching watching the film Pakistan I've been looking at Pakistan lately and it just looks absolutely incredible and I was, I was looking at this um, this traveller who's been to every country in the world and he said the friendliest people he ever came across were the people in uh, Pakistan so I think it I think it's going to be on more people's radar to visit um, in the future because it does look really incredible. Uh, but that's the Travel Bubble Film Club. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Remember, if you do do like it, uh, shout it from the rooftops or maybe just from the curb curbside. Uh, tell people about Travel Bubble. And if you do want to support us f- financially, you can go to buymeacoffee.com/travelbubble. And you can buy me a pint. I do love pints. And I say I'm in Norway. Famously the pints in Norway are really expensive. So I do need pint money. So if you can spur a bit of money. And you think. Bloody hell. This is a good podcast. I'll buy my ear pint. And that's how you can do it. I'll be back next week. For episode 40. How about that? Episode 40. But for now I'll say goodbye. My guest this week has been James Hammond. I have been Matty Dias and you have been listening. Goodbye.